1: Hi guys, I hope you're well Happy New Year from the Beautiful Game podcast team As always, we're really quickly going to run through the itinerary So you're all familiar with exactly what we're discussing on this week's episode So we, discu- we started the discussion with um, news of the Chinese Super League introducing a salary cap Which stops foreign players from earning exorbitant salaries And I asked the gents what their thoughts and views were on foreign players uh, applying their trade out in China. And if it was still um, a destination that players would consider. I then asked uh, both Dot and Dej what they would prefer. If it were uh, winning the Premier League and the Champions League double or winning the Prem without losing. um, So uh, winning it uh, as an Invincible. We then discussed the weekend's fixtures and hopped back to um, some of the games from Boxing Day. We then had a segment that we introduced, which was the Team of the Decade. And uh, I sort of put both Dot and Dej against each other and um, asked them to pick teams and and, and picked a a winner of of, of those two teams. Uh, Dot then shared his unpopular opinion and we rounded off the episode with Prospect of the Week. Stay tuned. Hello listeners and welcome back to yet again another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. As always, I'm your host Budge, and I'm joined by my faithful two co-conspirators, Dot and Dej. Dej actually isn't in the studio. We've got him on uh, conference. I think we're enjoying this uh, conference call a bit too much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now we're testing it a bit more. And Dej, also, there's uh, Dej there's Dej's news that the
3: Comfortable man.
1: That's it. I Obviously, there's news that Dej is is uh, he's, he's slightly under the weather. So we've kicked him out of the studio. <laughs> we don't want any germs being passed in the studio. We all want to be he- well and healthy for New Year's. So uh, so he's been banished until uh, until further further notice. <laughs> Everything. how's it going
4: Dej yeah I'm good bro man happy to be doing the pod as usual and mm-hmm. it's slightly different yeah obviously takes it's like a bit of a throwback to our early days when we started yeah yeah exactly that but yeah <laughs> man, I'm looking forward to it lots to cover man
1: 100% 100% man how about you
3: yeah, I'm don't, good, man. Good? Obviously, I just got back from DLT. I want to big up DLT, man. The guys are doing guys. amazing things. Big up, big They're up, putting up, in up, work, man. Obviously, so solid performing, Stormzy on the floor, just mm. having a laugh with everyone, man. So I just want to Whoa. big them up. We don't usually big up people on the podcast, yeah, but yeah. DLT, done know, man. 100%. Great stuff. Right.
1: We've got an, a jam-packed uh, schedule. Uh, we've got a lot to get through, of course. Um, we have the uh, Boxing Day um, fixtures and results, as well as uh, this weekend's uh, um, results to get through. Um, and as always, a few um, other topics that we want to discuss and questions that we want to put out to the floor. So we have to really try and and stay on top of time so we can get yeah. through everything, all right? All right, boys? Yeah, Yeah. agreed. Let's let's just get straight into it, man. Cool. My first question to you guys both is, what do the following players have in common? Marko Arnautovic, Maureen Fellaini, or Maran Fellaini, (laughs) rather, Oscar, and Graziano Pella.
3: Bodge, um can I strangle this at birth okay go on they're all playing the Chinese Super League uh, yeah fine
1: and they all they're obviously all play played in, their in their yen. Their <laughs> 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 so they, they all obviously have plied their trade in the Premier League previously mm-hmm. and have now um, moved over to uh, China and are playing in, in the Super League over there and the reason why I asked this question is a great segue into the um, first topic that I wanted us to discuss, which is the, the news that the Chinese Super League has now introduced a salary cap for foreign players. So essentially, there's a ceiling uh, that's been placed on salaries, um, which means that foreign players can only earn about £1.1 1, uh, 0.1 million um, pounds a year. Um, And it's for the uh, For the upcoming campaign So basically clubs uh, In the Super League Can't spend more than 121 million um, Which includes uh, A cap on Obviously um, The percentage That's allocated to salaries So only 60% of their spend Can be on um, uh, On salaries Which uh, doesn't include bonuses um, and what 's really interesting is the fact that the new rules were confirmed after a Christmas day meeting, so you can see that you know the the, the Chinese football association really are taking no days off they're they 're really um being very being um, yeah, yeah very proactive with this and and are really looking to enforce this as so soon as possible they 're
3: really taking a hard line approach Puj. a hundred percent
1: and and the chairman of the chinese football association uh uh shen uh, Zhu, Zhu Yan, He basically stated that um, the clubs have not been run in a very sustainable way and he basically fears that there will be a collapse if uh, timely action isn't taken. Um, and so when it when you sort of you, you break it down and you work it out it looks as though uh, the maximum amount that a player will be able to earn is going to be somewhere between sort of 40, 40 and 50k a week wow. which is essentially yeah,
4: what a, so, uh, yeah, a
1: schoolboy yeah. would be earning in the Premier League these days you see what I mean mm-hmm. yeah um, yeah, yeah. so um, and, uh, we obviously used the example of the players that had come from the Prem that have played there but we've also had news obviously in, in recent years of other players that have gone there you've got Hulk Tevez Carrasco Lovetsy, uh, Ramirez that have also uh, been there in recent years. The question I want to ask you guys is, do you feel that this change being implemented will see a lot of these players that have recently gone out there return to the Premier League or to Europe?
4: Of course. I mean, like this was never, ever going to be a sustainable uh, model that the Chinese implemented. Um, when it was implemented, we saw a lot of players run away to China because they knew, yeah, this is a quick buck. Mm. But as you've mentioned, like they've started to implement these cuts, and I think it's going to have a big um, impact on players that are already there. Because mm. I was reading that it's not going to affect players under contract now, but when it gets to like the renewing stage, mm. they won't be able to like mm. earn the same amount of money that mm-hmm. they're earning now. So I think what we're going to see is like a mass, a mass exodus into Europe.
1: 100%. And, and Dot, what I wanted to ask you is, so we, we obviously um, know that there there's going to be a uh, a cap on the salaries. However, bonuses aren't included. Mm. So do you think there might be players that be will like try like to negotiate 100%. exorbitant uh, bonuses like in their new contracts if they're trying to reneg- renegotiate like a, a 50K goal scoring bonus a-
3: or whatever? 100% mm. agents are going to use, you know, the bonuses as a loophole mm. to try and get you know, similar wages to what they're getting now. Mm -hmm. Whether the clubs Mm -hmm. are going to oblige to that is a different story. Um, But what I would say, I think this um, 40k base salary cap will act as a deterrent for, Mm -hmm. um, you know, many players in Europe um, going to China. I feel they will not go anymore because... Again, as Dad said, they've gone there for a quick buck. A lot of these um, Chinese Super League clubs—they're paying out two hundred and fifty k, 300 k. Graciana Pella left from Southampton for, for, to go back the... average players. Yeah. So I feel that like this is going to be a strong deterrent, and a lot of players that are, you know, planning their trade in Europe will will refuse to mm. go to China now because they're not getting paid enough.
1: Yeah, no, hundred percent. It'd be interesting to see. Um, in 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 the forthcoming uh, <laughs> transfer windows. All right, moving on. Uh, before we dissect the weekend's fixtures, I have another question to ask you. Um, and Dot, I want you to start on this one. The question is: Would you rather win the Prem and the UCL, mm-hmm. so win the double, mm-hmm. or win the Premier League without losing a single goal? What would you say is the better
3: achievement? It depends on the circumstances. If I was Manchester City, I would say, give me the double because we haven't won a Champions League before. Mm -hmm. But for my club, I would say, I want the Prem and invincibility. Mm -hmm. I feel that if Liverpool get 100 plus points, Mm -hmm. go invincible and Mm -hmm. win the Premier League, I think that accomplishment will be bigger than winning the Premier League and the Champions League because we've seen Liverpool win the Champions League before. And I think to go down in the history books, Mm And I think to erase the memory of Arsenal's invincibility, I think if Liverpool go unbeaten Mm. with 100 points, um, I just feel that that goes in the history books. And you never see it. You never see this. In 100 years of English football, only one team has gone invincible. Mm. So that just shows how rare it is. Whereas with the um, domestic and uh, the Champions League double, you've seen teams do it before. you have seen Manchester United do it. It, it, can it can happen it's, whereas it's, it's invincibility mm. is a one-off and I feel that this Liverpool team, if they win their first Premier League mm. whilst staying unbeaten, I just think that's a amazing accomplishment and I don't think that will be matched ever again in my opinion. Do you think your opinion would be ch- would be different if Liverpool
1: hadn't won the Champions League last year or would you still
3: maintain the same stance? I think the Premier League is the holy grail for Liverpool. Mm, mm. I think if you ask any Liverpool fan, they're going to say we want mm, the Premier mm. League. And I think if you can do it in a in a in a way that no other club has done it, obviously mm. Arsenal done it, but we got to have to we got to take into account the twelve draws that Arsenal had on their way to there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Um, I just feel that if Liverpool do it with 100 plus points, so you're breaking the record of points, Mm. you're going invincible, so you're matching Arsenal's undefeated season Mm -hmm. and you're winning your first Premier League trophy. Mm. I don't think that can really be matched Mm. in my opinion, but that's just the argument for Liverpool.
1: Fair point. Um, How about you, Dej? What what are your thoughts on that argument?
4: Um, What I'm going to do, I'm going to strip all of that away and just forget or not attach any club to it. I'm just going to think on a purely professional basis uh-huh. as a footballer. Uh-huh. So what would they rather win? Prem and um, Champions League double? What's the Champions League double, by the way? Is that Super Cup and the Champions League? or
3: No, Champions League. And we're basically saying yeah. the Champions League and, and the, the Premier prem. League. Yeah. You...
4: Is it OK? Or win the Prem without losing the game? Yes. As a footballer, I would rather win the Premier League and UEFA Champions League because, as a footballer, uh, it's all about trophies. Uh-huh. I know the status of being invincible it's one that shouldn't be, you know, slept upon, especially now in this era where, like, all of these teams have so much, you know, financial clout. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'd rather win the Premier Champions League. I think there's, you know, those are the two biggest trophies available. Uh. Like. If you win a Premier League, you just win a trophy. You don't win a trophy for being invincible. You do, yes. Liz. You you get get
3: the the I swear you get the Golden Premier League. But you correct me if I'm yeah, wrong.
1: Yeah, yeah. You get a Golden. You one. get
4: a Golden. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, I'd rather win the Premier League and Champions League, to be honest, man. Fair. Fair. I think, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's my view.
3: Yeah, that, so, that's yeah. fair enough. I think, uh, you know, I just feel that in the history books, I think you go down as a greater team if you win. Mm. your your domestic title going undefeated PSG haven't done it Real Madrid haven't done it Mm. Barcelona haven't done it this is a rare accomplishment Mm. whereas the Champions League and the domestic cup double we've seen that so many times Mm. so I believe that going invincible is the ultimate achievement Mm. in my opinion to go 38 games without a defeat I just think that's outstanding Mm. Fair, fair point all right
1: Um, So we're going to move on now and we're going to dissect the weekend's games. We're going to do it in clusters. So we're going to start off with the title race. We're then going to go into uh, top four and then we're going to discuss the the, the rest of the weekend's games. Okay. Now, specifically, I just want to give you guys the heads up specifically for the uh, teams that are in the title race. um, Given the fact that we obviously didn't release an episode covering the Mm -hmm. um, Boxing Day fixtures, uh, for those th- uh, three teams in particular, you can also harp back to the the results or, um, from the games that they played on, on Boxing Day as well. Um, so we'll start off with the most recent fixtures and you can also um, basically refer back to those two. Okay. Um, we're going to start with Liverpool um, uh, winning 1-0 at home to Wolves at Anfield. Um, Dej, take us away on this one. What are your thoughts on that game?
4: Yeah, um, Liverpool against Wolves. I mean, obviously, I'm going to interlink the games uh-huh. um, that Liverpool had against Wolves and against Leicester. I mean, we saw a few days ago Liverpool go to um, the King Power Stadium and absolutely tear Leicester apart. You know, that was a performance probably not in keeping with what we've seen with Liverpool this season. Liverpool being been much more functional, you know, grind out a win. But against Leicester, they really made an example out of them. Mm -hmm. You know, they were back to their best in terms of counter-pressing. Cato was on form. You know, Trent, the boy Wonder, Mm -hmm. he put in a tremendous virtuoso performance. Mm -hmm. So, for me, this game against Wolves was never going to be one of those games where you blow out Wolves. Wolves are notoriously a team that you have to go and beat them. And they're going to hang in there. Even though they made wholesale changes, you know, Traore wasn't playing, Jimenez wasn't playing, but they're a tough side to break down and, what we saw from Liverpool is, we saw some sloppy mistakes in possession. They weren't as fluid as they normally are. You know, some of Trent's delivery was over here, under here. It's again, like they were
3: trying to force it to Trent, like, to just deliver. Yes,
4: yes, yes. So, but what we saw with the goal was, you know, a good long ball from Van Dijk, accurate. Um, it hit Adam Lallana on the shoulder, went to Mane, and Mane slotted it away. Obviously, we had a lot of controversy with VAR, but mm. we saw that VAR made the right decision there. So, if I'm judging Liverpool again, these games are about just getting the win. Wolves tough tough opposition, mm-hmm. you know, and getting that win is another you know victory on the board for them. So yeah, man, it's it's onward and upwards for Liverpool.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I want to talk about you know Liverpool in a holistic um, point of view. First of all, I just want to say that's fifty. Um, home games unbeaten, mm-hmm. which is just tremendous. It's mm-hmm. almost, you know, going to three years since Liverpool lost, lost the game at home. Mm. But um, I was reading the the biography and um, Bring the Noise Back by Raphael Honenstein, um mm-hmm. regarding Jurgen Klopp. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because after the Champions League win, he brought out an updated version because... You know, a lot of fans in England were saying that you've written this book, but Jürgen Klopp hasn't won anything as, as Liverpool manager. So the book was coming under scrutiny saying mm-hmm. that you're telling us to listen to this and that, but this guy hasn't won a trophy. Mm. But I want to hark back to the 2006 World Cup where Jürgen Klopp was doing punditry um, for German television. Mm-hmm. And this um, changed the perception um, in Germany on how they view Jürgen Klopp. They thought, wow, this guy is just not the manager of mines, but this guy is actually a footballing man. He's mm-hmm. the voice of of German football. And he implemented the technology that they were using at the World Cup in at the club level. Mm-hmm. He felt that, listen, at halftime, if you can get two minutes to analyse a game, let's do it and give the boys the message in the best way possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he even admitted it himself in 2014 that this took him to the next level in terms of analysis. Mm. And the thing is about Klopp, he's very, you know, free with his praise. I remember when Buvach left, he was known as the brain. Historically, everyone mm-hmm. knew Buvach as the brain. And when Buvach left, everyone thought, wow, Liverpool are going to be in trouble. But from what Rafael Honnenstein was saying, he was saying that Klopp is very quick to give others praise and not take praise for himself. And I kind of understand that because even me, I was panicking at the time thinking, wow, Buvach is left. Mm. That's Klopp's brain. Klopp without his brain, he's he's nothing. Mm-hmm. Um but this just shows how, you know, his tactical acumen is is one of the best in the world and he's such a terrific manager. And we're quick to say, you know, well done to Klopp but there's so many people in the support network that are doing terrific jobs. I mean, we've got Peter Kravitz, that's his um Klopp's number two. We've got Pep Linders, that's the assistant manager. We've got um Corn Mayer, head of fitness. Mm-hmm. And we've got Lee Nobs, um, who Liverpool took from Man City as the um head physio. Mm-hmm. And these guys don't get the praise but I think what they've done at Liverpool to, you know, create an ambience is is absolutely unreal. Mm. And this Liverpool team, I feel that they are in with a shout with going and Because when I look at them, I don't see any weaknesses in mm. the camp. And I just feel that... I think Mane came out earlier this week and he said we're angry. Because we lost the Premier League last season. Mm. And every game Liverpool go out, you can kind of see that devilment in mm. them to mm-hmm. get the three points. And... I mean, to win 18 out of your first 19 games is just absolutely unbelievable. And this Liverpool team have won the Premier League, in my opinion.
1: So, title race done? It's done. So, a a common theme um, uh, in this week's fixtures is, of course, VAR. And in particular, uh, the amount of goals that have been chalked off, um, that have been uh, marginally offside um, I think it's, uh, since since VAR has been implemented, I think it's about 22 goals in total so far that have been ruled off because someone's had a toe offside or a hand or a, a, a strand of hair or whatever. Um, and so, of course, uh, a very industrious performance from Liverpool, uh, but not without controversy on the part of VAR. And there were two incidents, one um, which was in the lead up to um uh Mane's goal, uh the the ball um allegedly hit uh Virgil van Dijk on the hand before he then played the long pass to Lalana and, and so on and so forth. But then also um Wolves' equalizer um right at sort of the end of the first half uh when where, where, where Neto uh, put, you put the ball away um and then VAR showed and ruled that the goal was offside because um I forget the name of the player but his hand was um just Johnny also, I believe I believe uh, yeah, yeah that's the one thank, thank you very much for that Dej. um but he, yeah I mean essentially his hand was was offside uh he wasn't really in an adv- advantageous uh position um and it was chalked off so of course um you know technically you can say that he was offside but What we're seeing and what a lot of people are having a gripe with is the fact that that it's any body
4: part that um, you cannot score with, and you cannot score with your hand. So I don't understand why it was given, (laughs) or the goal wasn't given. (laughs) Well, this is that's the rule, though. Well,
1: this is the issue that a lot of people have, and I mean, if you take to to social media, you see loads of people slating and 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 talking about the fact that you know it, it this uh, side of VAR is just taking so much away from the game. You know, you you're taking away goals, so you're 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 ruining the experience for for the travelling fans. Um, and and I think even t- uh, today, um Nuno Espirito Santo came out and said, you know, you've got people that are making the rulings on on and and, and judging these things who are so far away from the game they can't judge the 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 atmosphere and the the feel of the game so it's you know they're they're, they're so far removed from it um and 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 you know uh, and that is that is uh you know an issue that a a lot of people um have with with var at the moment for me
3: for me it's shocking the pgmol and i've i've need to come out and say listen we're gonna you know look at these rules Mm. and and you know, change them for next season because mm-hmm. I feel that how can you get a referee, referee in the game from Stockley Park yeah. for me yeah, it doesn't yeah. make sense mm-hmm. the referee should be able to have a second look look at the monitors on the side of the exactly. pitch and you know make a decision on what you see and if you're wrong fair enough people can accept that mm-hmm. but when you've got someone in Stockley Park eating their pies whilst they're watching the game <laughs> making decisions that's not right yeah
1: Fair, fair point. All right. Um, so we've covered uh, Liverpool and, and, and Wolves now. Um, I think, Ded, you spoke a little bit about um, the game on uh, Boxing Day between Leicester and Liverpool mm-hmm. um, uh, at, at the King Power. Um, of course, another game where Liverpool just showed their dominance and cemented their position at the uh, the summit of the Premier League. Moving on now to um, Leicester. So they obviously had to bounce back from that loss and travelled away to West Ham. Um, and, and and played that game at the, the London Stadium. Um, an early goal from Pablo Fornals, an assist from Felipe Anderson. Two players who um, you know I, I think are certainly fans' favourites, and 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 two that you you definitely would expect to uh, be popping up with contributions more regularly. Um, I, I know if, uh, Pablo Fornals, for example, came with a, a huge reputation from uh, Villarreal. Um, where you know he was he he was sort of instrumental in, in 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 the way that they were playing, and and of course Felipe Anderson, a player that we know has a lot of quality, but um, you know question marks on how consistent he um, he he can it's perform. A talent,
3: talented player.
1: Yeah, it, well, yeah, of mm. course, as, as, as Don would like to say. <laughs> um, but again, you know, it, it was it was just a case of bouncing back for Leicester um, and, and getting those three points off the back of the the Boxing Day loss. Um, what are your thoughts on the, on the game, Doc?
3: Um, Pellegrini needed to be put out of his misery Mm -hmm. I mean it was clear to see you know everyone can see that this West Ham team they weren't playing for the manager the Mm -hmm. only player that can hold their head up high is probably Mark Noble Declan Rice and Mm -hmm. Antonio Mm -hmm. um before the start of the season, West Ham were a team that I tipped to finish in the top eight. Mm-hmm. But the way it's gone this season, it's just been absolutely terrible. And Pellegrini's position became untenable. Mm. For them to lose the game to what was, you know, Leicester's reserve team, Leicester's mm. B team, I think is a is a damning indictment to the confidence of the West Ham team. And I just feel that change had to happen. Mm. Even if you don't have a manager lined up, they had to make the change because Mm -hmm. Pellegrini, he's hit a stumbling block. And let's Mm. be honest, he can't really, really, he can't really recover. Um, I think it's a big win for Leicester. For Mm -hmm. them to um, win the game with nine changes is a big statement. And Mm. they're not going to fall off lightly. I think they're going to keep fighting to the end. And again, I see them finishing in the top four pretty comfortably. Mm.
1: Dej. Um, This is a point that you made um, on previous uh, episodes of the podcast when you were speaking about the fact that um, Manuel Pellegrini hadn't been helped with the injury to uh, Lucas Fabianski and obviously yeah. we saw him returning in 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 the game against Leicester. so yeah. do, do do you feel that's that's also something that you know maybe um could have been a turning point for pellegrini had he um uh, remained at the club now now that you've got your you know your your number one uh, shot stopper back in between the sticks uh, maybe you know you can you can you can now kick on and, and build from that or do you, uh, do you agree with the the view that dot has that you know it was time for him to go <laughs>
4: Um, I think everything there was broken, to be honest. The fans didn't want Pellegrini. The players weren't performing. And I just want to take a bigger look at the recruitment. I mean, um, it's not only Pellegrini that's been sacked. Mm -hmm. The sporting director, Mario (laughs) Hussilas, um, Mm -hmm. lost his job as well. This was a man that was charged with, you know, a £100 million spending spree. Mm -hmm. And he bought in four-nounds, Haller and... The, the last two are probably the reason or contributing factors to why he lost these jobs, mm-hmm. Carlos Sanchez and Roberto, the goalkeeper. Hey, then, stop apparently, it, then. Like, stop it, then. Apparently. No, apparently, the um, West Ham hierarchy, they wanted a British number two. But mm-hmm. this Husselas was persistent on getting Roberto. Mm-hmm. He said that this guy was the best thing since sliced spring. <laughs> and we've all seen that that's culminated. So, um, again, West Ham's four makes for Brim reading. That was their fourth straight home defeat. You know, less than two hours after the game, um, they put <laughs> Pellegrini out of his misery. Now
0: mm. <laughs>
4: like, you wonder why they sent him out, you know, to do press because you could see it all over his face mm, there. Yeah, he was vacant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he knew. But, yeah, that's West Ham covered. Um, when you look at Leicester, nine changes, you know, West Morgan, mm. you know, the, the stalwart from the um, Premier League winning campaign was yeah. brought in. You know, Justin, the right back was brought in as well. Ian Nacho, Ayose Perez, two assists. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah up, but I called him into question, saying, "You know what? If Vardy's not playing, can this guy step up?" Mm. And he got two assists, so that was good um, contribution. And and what I like with Leicester is they took, you know, you know, a pacing against Liverpool, and the week before they lost, you know, three one to Manchester City. That will knock the confidence out of you, of course. And what? Um, Rodgers done he freshened up the team Nine mm. changes and and they still played with the same purpose the mm. same drive mm. Damari Gray as well that was an exquisite finish very very yes. good finish yes. I was yes. shocked
3: because you don't expect mm. that from him Dej mm.
4: Mm. definitely so yeah again onwards and upwards for Leicester when we look at Leicester we shouldn't be too harsh on them as well because they lost away to Manchester City and at home to you know the runaway leaders Liverpool so when you put it in perspective they're still having a good season, so yeah, onwards and upwards, man. Yeah,
3: they they lost to the um, best team in the world, but I mean, <laughs> had, to, had to get it. I mean, I mean, West Ham, fifteen points dropped from winning positions. No mm. other team has dropped more points. I mean, twentieth place in the home league table. I mm. mean, these stats are alarming, and yeah. Pellegrini had to be put out of his misery. Not yeah, a fair
4: point. So the incumbent manager, you know, David Myers, I think we should just touch an him. Briefly.
1: Perfect. I was just um, about to ask that. Take us away.
4: Yeah, I mean, this, you know, this speaks of the the ineptitude of the decision making at board level <laughs> at West Ham. I mean, this is a manager that you brought in, <laughs> you've done a job for you, you get rid, and now you're bringing him back in. Again, I think West Ham and Everton are in that similar position where they want the Hollywood appointment. But they haven't put the structures in place for it to flourish. And mm. again, David Moyes coming in, there was probably better candidates, well, you know, suited to that West Ham job. But again, it's it's a poor decision, in my opinion. But that just speaks of the golden Sullivan relationship, in my
3: opinion. Yeah, but there was incumbent of the ball to act and, and, and get rid of Pellegrini. Maybe they're using David yeah, Moyes as a stopgap.
4: Moyes- yeah, but apparently, like, they only wanted to give him a six-month contract to take him on to the end of the season. And mm. he was, that like, persistent, saying, you know what? I need 18 months.
3: Mm. And, like, Maybe you can see, if They're going to use him until mm. the end
4: of the season. They may be sacking.
3: And it was interesting, because I was looking at um Declan Rice's post-match um interview, and he, you can see he was a broken man. He was, like, we're so frustrated. Mm. We don't know what's going wrong. We don't know how to sort out of this situation. And you just knew the manager was gone. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see what David Moyes now brings to the party.
1: Fair point. All right, let's move on now. Um, And let's talk about City. They hosted Sheffield United at the Etihad. And of course, we mentioned on the last episode that, you know, uh, Sheffield United had uh, a very tall order in their next two away fixtures. You know, we spoke about the fact that they've been breaking records and, um, you know, have gone on a very impressive run away from home uh since the start of the year but of course the 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 their, uh, next two uh, away fixtures were against city and uh um uh liverpool uh, coming up uh they unfortunately couldn't continue their their impressive run away from home so city um won via goals from uh, aguero and de bruyne uh, uh de bruyne and um Mahrez with the assists as well um and i guess this this was you know really important for 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 city to um you know win that game and, and take all three points courtesy well especially because of the fact that you know uh, the the result um on, on boxing day wasn't too favorable for for them um but on the
3: game today please um dot take us away what are your thoughts um i didn't watch the game today but i'm going to heart back to the wolves game okay um i mean that was the lowest possession pep guardiola has had in his career mm-hmm. i mean 38.1% that's the mm all-time low for Pep Guardiola which was surprising. I know it had 10 men but it doesn't mean I still don't expect that from Pep Guardiola. I've seen Pep Guardiola go down to 10 men so many times when he was at Barcelona and still control the game. Still, you know, look in control of the situation. Hmm. Yeah, you might lose the game but you're still, um, you know, outpassing your opponents. Mm -hmm. You're still getting the bigger chances but somehow you may just lose the game or drop points. Mm -hmm. And, the thing is about Edison and Alisson, they have the tendency to get one of those wrong every season. They rush out mm. they go and literally 1v1 and they take you out and they get a red card. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, for me, this Man City team, they're broken. I mean, when I was looking at Otamendi, he's defending, doesn't fill you with much confidence. I mean, I was speaking to Dej during the game and I think it went 2-0. Mm. And I was like, Dej, this game's not over. I told him and Dej was like, come on, though, it's done, it's done, mm. it's done. And then it went to 2-1 and I was like, Dej, this is going to be a draw. And for mm. Wolves to win that game, I mean, Benjamin Mendy, he, mm. he he he's finished. Like We we have to be real. Uh, <laughs> let's call this fade a spade, a spade <laughs> here. He's a, he's a finished left back. Apparently, Gabriel Jesus is one that they're looking to ship out in the summer. Benjamin wow. Mendy is under the spotlight as well. And it seems that if Pep is going to stay, there needs to be a major clear out of this mm. Man City team. Because... For me, it's gone stale, in my opinion. Just hit that cycle, that four-year cycle you have talking about yeah, before. They've hit a buffer.
1: Deji, did you have any thoughts on on that game? Um, Sh- uh, um. City and 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 uh, Sheffield and and uh, they yeah. result against Wolves.
4: Yeah, I saw um, bits and pieces of the game. To be honest, obviously, I brought both of these managers under the spotlight last week in my unpopular opinion. Mm. And to be honest, that first (laughs) half, Chris Lauda out coach Pep, man. You have to be real, isn't it? And I'm not sure if you both saw the goal. Like, Chris Kavanagh basically assisted Manchester City. (laughs) Um, They were trying to to play out from the back. Then Chris Kavanagh got in the way. Then, um, obviously, um, Sheffield United's defence weren't set. Then um, De Bruyne fed in Aguero, then he just smashed mm. it in. But again, um, Manchester City, you can see they were still scarred from that Wolves defeat. Wait, um, Dave,
3: do, do you think the Liverpool defeat, the three-one at Anfield, has left some scar tissue on Man City? Um, to
4: be fair, they haven't recovered from that. In my opinion, that was a real beating, and I remember saying at the time that you know what, they accepted defeat there. Mm. They were throwing their toys out of the pram; mm. like, they didn't know what to do. And since then, obviously, we've seen them lose, you know, a few games. Mm. We've lost five games so far this season. But Mm. I just think City are in a weird position in the league because they know basically the league's over. Yeah. They're fighting for second. And when you, you know, done the domestic sweep last season, how does that affect you mentally? man? Mm. How, How do you keep interested? How do you keep going out there and putting in performances? But to be fair, today, they got the job done. Um, against a real stubborn and resolute Sheffield United side, but to be fair, they got a bit of luck. And yep. it was interesting to see, you know, Sam Lee's comments after the game. Mm. I think against Wolves, <laughs> he said that Pep Guardiola said there's not going to be any signings. Yeah. So for me, that is a real resignation to the fact that you know City and Pep know that this title race is long gone. Mm. But also, is there wider implications to that? Is Pep thinking, you know what? in the
3: summer I'm after to take my exit route so it's going to be interesting that one and 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 it's funny because Dej was you know posing the question to Pep Guardiola um, last week on mm-hmm. his unpopular opinion is that how good are you as a manager when mm-hmm. things when you hit adversity how do you react mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. and Pep Guardiola let's be honest he, he's failing at the moment he's not getting his tactics right the team look lost on the pitch and Pep Guardiola is a manager. When he's the front runner, he's he's the goat. Mm-hmm. He's the best. But when there's a small hiccup in the road, how does he react to this? And right mm-hmm. now, he's not reacting well. And the mm-hmm. final point I want to say on this situation is that Man City have conceded 23 goals already this season. Mm-hmm. That's as many as they conceded throughout the duration of last season. So that's very worrying, in my opinion.
1: Fair point. Uh, we'll have to wait and see how it all transpires. We, do, we are saying this, though, despite the fact that City
3: won 2-0 today. Um, yeah, but, Bud, we're looking at it as a wider issue. Mm. This Manchester City team should not be 14 points behind Liverpool. Mm. If I said this to you at the start of the season, I'm sure you would have slapped me and stopped doing this podcast. <laughs> let's,
4: let's be yes. honest. Yeah. But I think, to be fair, like, when you judge both of the team, what Liverpool are doing is robotic. So mm-hmm. it's probably a bit of both. Liverpool being too exceptional
3: yeah. and Manchester City being under the Yeah, 100%. I, I will say it's a good say. win because that Sheffield United game was always going to be a tough game. Yeah, yeah. But to get the 2-0 win with a clean sheet is, is really, really good for mm-hmm. Man City and is a good response to the old deal that happened at Wolves.
1: Yeah, 100%. All right. So now we've covered the uh, the, the teams in the title race. We're going to go to the next uh, little cluster which are um the teams that are fighting for a top 4 finish. We're going to start off with um uh the game between Arsenal and Chelsea. So Chelsea of course traveled to the Emirates. It was I guess um you know the f- the, the the first game that uh, Arteta had Um, in charge, having at least a a week to prepare and sort out his team. And of course, um, you know, for for large spells in that game, Arsenal did look like the better team, hungrier, um, uh, you know, better uh, off the ball, um, uh, a a very, very sort of athletic performance from uh, a load of their players. And, you know, it's it's, it's clear to see that things are moving in the right direction. Of course, uh, Chelsea um, took all three points. It was a real smash and grab from them. Um, and, and so Arsenal will be disappointed not to get anything from the game, despite the fact that they were leading um, uh, by a goal to nil um, right up until sort of late on in, in the in the second half. Um, but positive signs, definitely positive signs. Dej, what are your thoughts on, on that game? What, Budge, are you saying positive yeah. signs for, what,
3: about what? Losing?
1: No, positive signs in terms of what uh, Mikel's philosophy is is and what he's implementing in that team you can see okay. clearly mm. that the players know what they're doing now mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and i think today's loss was less so about the tactics deployed by um, arteta and more so about individual errors and the fact that the the team couldn't keep up with the level of physicality demanded from that game throughout the whole game mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so yeah Dej, what 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 do you think about that game
4: and it was an interesting one. Obviously, I had two managers at the very, you know, they're in the embryonic stages as managers. So, um, going into that game, Arteta's first game at home for Arsenal, mm. it was always going to be interesting to see what type of reception he got. Mm-hmm. And to be fair to the fans, they came out in full voice and they supported him. And as you mentioned, as you alluded to, Arsenal came out with a structure. You could see that everyone knew their jobs. Mm. They were all talking to each other. If one man goes, we cover around. You know, and to be fair, like, he tactically outclassed um, Lampard for the first half an hour. you know, He even forced Lampard into making a change early on, bringing off Emerson, Palmieri, and bringing on... Um, who did he bring on again? He brought on, sorry, Jorginho. Yep.
3: Yes, mm-hmm. and that young. Bringing on Jorginho mm.
4: yeah, to um, come and control the game. And what I saw from Arsenal was a team that had spirit a team that believed in the tactics that they were given from the manager and they were carrying out, you know, the tactics to a man, to be fair. Um, obviously, they took the lead through that um, header from Obamiang from the corner. Lovely and finish,
3: there
4: Yeah, fam. Aubameyang, he's a poacher. That's what he does, man. Mm-hmm. He gets himself in those positions, you know, and he's always readily available to slot them in. But that game was a funny one because when you talk about performance and results... He didn't mesh up. Mm. Now Lampard's got the win. People are saying, wow, he was so tactically astute. <laughs> His tactics changed the game. And Arteta's lost and everyone's off. We saw signs of improvement. But again, when a manager's wet behind the edge, you can see some glaring in-game management issues, in my, in my opinion. Mm. I think, obviously, you can't legislate for individual errors. You know, you can't. You set your tactics out. You tell the boys this is what I want, but when someone goes and does what Leno done, mm. you know what can you do as a manager? You're sitting on the sideline, helpless. Yeah, and you but saw I mean, Leno like it he
3: was—he was on the ground and he was thinking that like the grass should just swallow him mm. up because he <laughs> was.
4: the uh, game last week. <laughs> <laughs> I think like there comes a time in a game where it enters. Okay, if we're not going to win this game, let's not lose that. Mm. And I think the way Arsenal were done for that second goal was, I think, poor in-game management. Mm-hmm when you see the bigger teams with much more experienced managers, like, let's say, a Pep or, you know, a a Klopp, after they can see the goal like that, they'll be pointing to the players, use your brains, calm down. But I think Arsenal kind of got, you know, lost in the source. Uh And to get counter-attack like that, you know, David Luiz... And Mustafi were sitting ducks but I think Mustafi <laughs> man that was yeah. atrocious defending have been tied to, like to he Tammy. was focused on the ball when, <laughs> when in kill position, me. Don't kill me. you either engage or you look baller man yeah. baller man. Yeah. Ball man there was no situation there was no time where he looked at Tammy Abraham the only time he looked at him was when he got the ball under his <laughs> and, and it, finished it, it. he <laughs> put into the back of the net and again I've said about these Arsenal defense defenders that um they're too reactive. They're not proactive. They don't mm. take charge of situations. And again, the performance got undone mm-hmm. by, you know, individual errors. Mm-hmm. And that's been Arsenal's undoing for, you know, the last few, the last season, certainly mm-hmm. under Unai Emery. Mm-hmm. But one thing we can say is that um, the defensive structure, Arteta's definitely improved that. This was an Arsenal team under Lomberg, under um, Emery, were conceding a lot of shots on goal. I think Chelsea, Chelsea's goal was maybe their first shot on target or maybe their second shot Mm, on target. mm -hmm. So that shows that there's a structure being implemented and it's clearly working.
3: Yeah. It's it's funny because you know, when Arteta was Arteta was appointed, I was like, he's gonna lay the building blocks for next season. And I think, you know, the, the first half is the perfect, you know, gauge as to what Arteta wants for next season. And I feel the way the Arsenal team pressed, and the way they attacked, and the way they played out from the back—they look comfortable on the ball. I think that's the template he's going to take onto next season. But what I do want to say is that Arsenal's form is really, 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 really worrying. I mean, when you look at the paper and and the stat sheets, this is real relegation form. I mean, after eight games, Arsenal picked up fifteen points. In their last 12 games, they've picked up nine points, and I mean, that is absolutely terrible. Um, and if this Arsenal team are going to avoid relegation, they need to be picking up results very, very quickly. It's all well and good playing well, but if you're not getting results, you're going to be sliding down the table. What I would say is that Arteta seems to be getting a tune out of Meza Ozil mm. which is good to he see. Had a blinder.
1: He had really a really, good really
3: good game. I know he faded out towards the end, but I think that's just a fitness thing. I think he just needs to be playing more football and then we'll see him um, capable of um, seeing out the full 90 minutes. Um, Lacazette's form is a worry for me. When I see him, he just looks blunt. He doesn't look sharp. When you look at Obama, you look a bummer, you can see a world-class... Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, you think he don't look fit, Dej? Yeah, like when I... Yeah, for me, when I see him, it's like half and puff. Yeah, so I
4: think Lacazette is yeah he's a concern and I won't be shocked if Arteta probably you know drops him for a bit because long term going forward the way he wants to play with this pressing style of football yeah. I don't feel like is it suited to that
3: yeah I'm not sure he fits the high octane style of play that Arteta wants to implement into the team mm-hmm. fair point I'm going to
1: nail my colours to the mask though in light of all the things that you said and I'm going to say Arsenal are going to stay up 100% <laughs> 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 oh I'm dead <laughs> alright so moving on to the next game Dot take us away on this one uh, Norwich hosted Spurs at home at Carrow Road uh, the end result, uh, result was a, a score draw a 2-2 goals from Ranić and an own goal from Aurier. Um and then Eriksson with a, a, a sumptuous free kick and came with a penalty mm.
3: um, what are your thoughts on the game Spurs are poor Spurs are really really poor I mean this is a team that have not um, kept a way clean sheet in a year now um, When I was watching the game, the defence really looked disheveled. They looked all over the place. I mean, Alderweireld signed a new deal. But mm. I was thinking, why are you just giving him another payday? Because for <laughs> me, he's he's someone that you should be looking to move on now. Mm. I think he's way past his best. I mean, Tot- Tottenham were poor. Norwich were really, really hard done by. Mm. I mean, I don't know how someone could justify it. To me, that Timo Pukki's goal was was offside. VAR again, and I think that that head. decision mm. was really really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I predicted two two. Mm. I knew it was, it was a two two game. Um, Bundia, great press for the mm. first goal. I think Dejanos. I'm a massive massive fan yeah, of him. Hundred percent, good player, um, really good player. And yeah, the thing is about Noris, they're very very unlucky. But in football, you make your own luck. Mm. Um, I think they'll be happy with the point because Tottenham is a game that you expect Norwich to lose. But for Norwich to get a point, I think they can build some confidence on that and hopefully go on a run to try and stay up because I really, really like Norwich.
1: Fair point. All right. Um, Moving on, uh, Dej, take us away on this one. Uh, Burnley hosted United at Turf Moor. Don't quote me on this, but I think in 50 games um, that Burnley have played United at home, they haven't scored a goal um and wow. it was uh more of the same um uh, uh yesterday uh so united uh took all three points uh goals from rashford and and, and marshall um and assist from james and and pereira i I actually yeah. feel that um pound for pound so far this season, James is probably the best signing, i think. Um, in terms How much of what, the game 15, fifteen million, well, I think it was okay. Yeah. yeah so, in yeah. terms of his return and, and and the price tag so far, of course, there's still you know m- much of the season left to play, but so far, I think he's definitely pound for pound up there uh, uh, for me. But um, in terms of the game, what are your thoughts?
4: I mean, Marcus Rashford—he's a man in form. Seventeen goals for the season, nine goals in eleven. Martial got his tenth goal of the season, but um, I think what we saw with Burnley is what we've seen them against a lot of top sides playing their way into trouble. (laughs) We saw it against Chelsea, we saw saw it against City, we saw it against Liverpool, and this time it was Charlie Taylor, you know, the left-back. Normally, Mm. two, three years ago under Sean Dyke, he just knocks that long into the channel. But what he was trying to do, cut back in and play football, and Pereira, to his credit, closed him down, then, you know, played in Martial, and... There's not many other players in a one v one situation that you would want instead of um, Anthony Martial. The way he finished that with a plum mm. was good. Um, to be fair, it's like the same old issues for Man United when you look in possession creatively. Like they haven't really got that spark. That's the area of the pitch that they need to address, in my opinion. Because when you look at both of the goals, one was from like you know um, counter pressing. And the other goal was a late counter attack from Daniel James, you know, who squared it to Marcus Rashford and, you know, he finished it. But again, Man United, they're probably where they want to be. I mm-hmm. know after a few games, people mm-hmm. are writing them off saying, you know what, they're not going to get top four, they're not going to get top six. But when you look in the table, you're thinking, wow, you've actually got a chance here. They're nicely positioned. So mm-hmm. if they want to do a bit of business in the January transfer window, that will definitely help them. the only issue is um, you know which players are available Mm. and also just pointing to Marcus Rashford I was looking at his interview before the game and I was speaking to Robin Van Persie and um, Van Persie asked him what's your favourite position and he said yeah in on the left not a winger but that kind of Mm, you know that sterling yeah yeah, that left you know that modern day position and he seems to have taken to it like a duck to water and we are seeing a lot of his effective work come from that position so I think Man United on an upward trajectory. You know, they're keeping possession and they're winning games. Mm. You know, and, and that's not something they've been doing much this season. So, yeah, we're going to see how this season culminates. But it's good signs, even though the football is not how the fans probably want it to be. Mm. But it's good building blocks.
3: 100%. Um, that was Man United's first clean sheet in 15 games. And one thing I just wanted to point out is that... People see turf more as this like ultimate acid test for like the top six, but Burnley have only won one game in their last twenty nine against the traditional top six, and that wow. was against a poor, poor Tottenham team um, mm. last season. So <laughs> Burnley is not as hard as the ground that everyone seems to make it. It seems like they give away three, they give away three points for <laughs> for confetti in my <laughs> opinion. So yeah. Cool. All
1: right, fair point. We're going to move on now. Um, Watford hosted Aston Villa at Vicarage Road. Um, Dej, we're going to ask you to take us away on this one. Um, Goals from uh, Troy Deeney, you got a brace. Um, Mm. And Ismail Assar, it was good to see him on a score sheet.
4: He's a Um, good player.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, What are your thoughts on the game, Dej?
4: To be honest, I think Aston Villa are going down. I think that game was just, you know, streetwise wise against Naive. Uh-huh. I think when I've watched Aston Villa a lot this season, defensively, they're just not cute. They haven't got in them, you know, grind out a point or grind out a 1-0. Uh-huh.
0: Like,
4: as you mentioned, Troy Deeney, he was, you know, in, in good form. He's had a bad knee injury. And I've always said that if you can keep Troy Deeney fit, he can keep you in the Premier League. I mean, we've, you know, we've spoken to him and he's one of those characters that you would love to go to war with. Mm. When he comes out in the press, he says that how it is and he plays like that as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, for the first goal, he was the guy that pressed, I think, was it Konza? I think the centre-back. Then it led to um, a shot by Decore, Then he was in on the act and he swarmed it in under the goalkeeper. Mm. Then for the second goal as well, you know, Aston Villa had the player down. Dean Smith was saying that, oh, Watford should have kicked out. Mm. But Dino was like, you know what, we're in a relegation scrap. <laughs> yeah, we need, yeah, to, yeah, be. We need, fun, we need to play football kind yeah. of thing, Don't know? kill me. Don't kill me. <laughs> and obviously they played it into Troy Deeney. Douglas Luiz took the bait and barged them over. But Dino stayed up. Of course he could. Yeah, again, he's big lad lad is is like so the he could be. Got know-how, yeah. <laughs> these are the street smarts <laughs> that you need to yeah. navigate when you're in um, a relegation scrap and just as he did against De you he know, splattered it down the middle. Mm. I think these keepers, sometimes they know they're going to, or they know is going to go down the middle, but they think, you know what? I don't want the pain. I don't want the agony. Let me just die. Mm. Then for the <laughs> third goal, we saw, um, obviously, um, Dean Smith again, complaining about refereeing decisions. I think Jack Grealish went down. Mm. Then, obviously, like um, the player squared it to Ismail Assar, who expertly finished it. But again, as I said, there's huge pressure on Dean Smith. He just signed a new contract in November. Mm. What are they going to do with him? Because they can't really spend. Are they going to sack him? If they sack him, can you think of another manager that can get, you know, a tune out of this
3: team? Alan I'm Padre. not sure.
4: I swear he just took a job recently with Chris Power. Oh, yeah, yes, I think yes, he, in um, maybe, maybe like Holland. Uh, you, or yeah, something. yeah, Holland,
3: Holland. I believe, I think
4: yeah. Um... yeah and also I just want to big up Ben Foster as well I think he gets slept on Mm
3: -hmm. the
4: saves that this guy has been making this season (laughs) he's been saving them Mm -hmm. he's been saving them from some bad results and I just also want to shout out Nigel Pearson he's a different model to the type of managers that Watford have been going for head coaches should I say Mm -hmm. you know Gracia and Kike Sanchez they're more you know coaches when I look at Nigel Pearson he seems like a manager he's Mm -hmm. like a you know, a strong-willed guy. Mm. And you can see maybe him and Dini probably getting a grip of that change room and mm. telling them that this is what we need to do. These are the standards. We need to work hard. And, you know, seven points from four games, only losing to Liverpool. That's a good run. And, yeah, that's very good. You know, yeah, I was skating when he came and I was thinking it's a left-field appointment. But when you look at it, you know, his history, being involved in the West Brom team that had a great escape, being involved in Leicester it seems like it might be a, you know, a shrewd appointment. Mm. So onwards and
3: upwards for them. And just final point on the game, that's Tridini's fifth goal in three league games against Aston Villa. So yeah. it seems like he loves, he loves playing against, against them. Yeah, he's yeah. 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 a Birmingham lad. <laughs> it? so yeah. he loves putting in one against Aston Villa.
1: 100%. Um, so <clears throat> still with you, Dot, um, Everton travelled to St James's Park uh, to play against um, Newcastle. Um, and, and um, were 2-1 winners. Um, we see um, Calvert-Lewin, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, mm. certainly hit a purple patch, and he's he's scoring uh, freely now. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he bagged uh,
3: uh, the, the two, the, both goals for Everton. Um, what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, just the butch rest your point on Calvert-Lewin. I mean, he scored in both games that Angel- Angelotti has taken charge in. Mm-hmm. Three goals in two games, and he's got five in his last five. Um... Again, I think Dej was scathing of the appointment of Angelotti, but I came out and I changed my mind and I thought, this guy's going to do a terrific job. Mm -hmm. He's a manager that, you know, the minute he gets into the changing room, players are going to listen. He's going to tell them, I've worked with Ronaldo. I've worked with Kaka. I've worked with the best players in the world. (laughs) So... Listen, Mm. I know what I'm talking Mm. about. And you better listen or else you're going to be on your way out of the door of Everton Football Club. Mm -hmm. And you can see that already. The new manager effect is working. Um, Everton seem to be harder to get at. They seem to be harder to score against. And you can see Angelotti's got them well drilled. Um, You can see the players have a new lease of life in them. Mm -hmm. Um, They're running more. They're passing the ball better. And they've got that aura and confidence which they didn't have under Marco Silva. Yeah. Obviously, they were doing well with Duncan Ferguson, but that was just a you know stopgap until they brought in a manager. And this Everton team, they're good enough to finish in mid-table. And I feel that Angelotti is laying the foundations for next season.
1: Cool. Um, so moving on now, um, Southampton hosted uh, Palace at St. Mary's. Um, Ings does it again. So he keeps up his uh, rich goal-scoring form. Um, and, you know, we see yet again another game where um, there is a controversial VAR decision which ruled out uh, Max Meyer's um, goal. Uh, Dej, what are your thoughts on that 1-1 draw?
4: Yeah, as you mentioned, there was another razor-thin, you know, VAR decision. I think it was against Wilf. I mean, he had Cedric Suarez in knots. He was just doing... He was was falling down... (laughs) And obviously he squared it into him and Max my finished it but obviously that was ruled out but nevertheless Palace took the lead from you know a Tompkins header from Mihailovic good assist but um, yeah Palace shot themselves in the foot man I mean you know when you've got a prolific striker up against you like Danny Ings you can't give them any encouragement and Martin Kelly I don't know what he was thinking but he put on a plate for Danny to get his twelfth goal of the season. That's Christmas spirit, that... man.
3: Christmas spirit. <laughs> yeah,
4: <laughs> the festive, the season of giving. The season isn't of it? giving, so, man.
3: Still giving away free gifts. You <laughs> get me. Mm.
4: So it was a, um, a good recovery from Southampton because after that they were the team that looked like you know what they're going to win this game. But obviously Gweta, I think he's probably the best goalkeeper in London, in my opinion. Um, what, he, better he than kept... Leno, Dej? Yeah, I'll, I'll take Gweta over Leno still. I know Leno made a mistake today he's had a good season so we can't forget that but yeah I'll take great over it. yeah but to be um, honest
3: there's no goalkeeper has made more mistakes that have led to goals than Leno since the start of last season so you may have a point
4: yeah so yeah I just think obviously onwards and upwards for both of these teams I think that's four points over the two games over the festive period for both of them so that keeps them ticking And, and let's not forget about the job Hassan Hutt was done because this was a team that was beleaguered of confidence after that 9-0 thrashing yeah, by De- Leicester so I remember you calling it recovery building
3: De- I remember you calling it a colonisation
4: <laughs> yeah bro it was bro. so yeah man they've had some you know good results after that and yeah like Hassanato is showing how much of a good coach he is because he hasn't had these plush you know resources to go out and buy whoever he wants he's having to you know find in-house solutions so mm. yeah onwards and upwards man Fair
1: point. All right, and the final game from the weekend that we'd like to cover before we move on to the next segment is the game between Brighton and Bournemouth. Um, Bournemouth travelled to the Amex. Um, and Brighton um, uh, and Graham Potter uh, done a number on, on, on Eddie Howe and his Bournemouth team. Um, uh, they, they took all three points, uh, a 2-0 win. Um they've got some very, very exciting and interesting players. I think they've got a very special player in uh in Aaron Moy. Mm-hmm. Um in, in you've got they've got Trossard, they've got Morpay uh and Eves Basuma as well, who's uh yeah. who's really certainly a bright player. Star.
3: Dej likes Basuma. Yeah,
1: really, really good player. Yeah. Um what what were your thoughts on the on the game, Doc?
3: yeah <laughs> Bournemouth, yuck. <laughs> I mean Jason Tyndall and Eddie Howe were on the sidelines and they looked vacant. Mm. Um, Eddie Howe this is the first time I can probably say he looked like a man that was run out of ideas mm-hmm. I mean Dom Solanke 28 games 0 goals and this is a player that you invested £21 million in and when I look at Dom Solanke he has all the attributes to be a good player when you look at a traditional number 9 you look to see whether they're strong whether they're quick whether they can hold the ball whether they got a decent first touch Dom Solanke ticks all those boxes but the only box that he doesn't tick is that he can't buy a football goal. Um, (laughs) To be fair to Brighton, I've always said it, um, the manager is doing a great job. Um, They're playing great football. You uh, mentioned Aaron Mm. Moy. He's a really good player but I just feel that he needs to improve his output because to have one goal and one assist for a player of his quality Mm. is a bit disappointing. But um, Brighton are in a good way, and I see them again. I see them staying up this mm. season, and I see them finishing strong because they're really playing a good style of football at the moment. But Bournemouth yeah, worrying times. Bash as well. Yeah, Jan Bashi's first yeah. goal. Yeah,
4: yeah, his first goal for Brighton. You can see I what he meant him at, in a minute um, when he scored. He's as well. Like he scored, he banged in like what twenty-one goals. Mm. Yeah, and I think like, he mm. Golden Boot or I'm, something. So and. Um, you know, he failed to score in his previous 25 games. So, for him to get that goal, I think we all saw how you know, emotional yeah, he was. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly.
3: Yeah, Yanni announced himself for. in the last World Cup where he was, he was really, really impressive. Mm. Mm.
4: So, what we're seeing from Graham Potter, even though I'm not convinced, um, what we're seeing <laughs> is he's getting the best out of players that under the previous regime weren't performing. So, we're talking about, you know, Eze Basumo, Yang Bakash. And yeah, he's doing his thing, man. Cool. All right.
1: Um, so now we've rounded up the weekend's fixtures, we're going to move on. Um, and we've seen, um, you know, on, on social media, we've seen um, on, on various different football shows, loads of pundits in, in uh, recent weeks have been talking about their teams in a decade. Um, and we are, we're we're going to do something very similar. I think is very fitting, given now we're coming to the end of the year and the end of the decade, of course, as well. Um, but what I would like us to do is do it slightly differently. So um, we are going to do a head-to-head, Dot versus Dej. And um, what I'd like both of you guys to do is state your team of the decade. Um, of course, these are players who have played um, and, and played, um you know, their trade in the Premier League from uh, 2010 to 2019. Um, and you're going to go back and forth. You can't pick the same player uh, in the same position. Once you've said your... Um, so we'll start with, let's say, um, Dot, for example you're going to say a goalkeeper, then Dej has to say a different goalkeeper. Mm -hmm. Um, And then we'll go back and forth that way. And then at the end, you'll just tell me what formation you're going to deploy with that starting 11. And I will pick out of those two teams, which one I feel would um, win. Um, And then we can also throw it out to all of the listeners um, on Twitter as well and ask them for their views. Um, Yeah, I think it, 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 it would, it would be good to just do it slightly differently So, with that being said, um, we're going to start with you, Dot, and then we're going to go to you, Dej. Uh, Start off with goalkeepers. Who is your Premier
3: League goalkeeper? First of of all, before people think I'm crazy, I had second pick on the goalkeeper and I went with Peter Cech. Okay.
1: David De Gea. David De Gea. Um, Okay. Uh, Dot, your left back?
3: My left back is um, Andy Robinson. I don't think we've seen a better left back in a decade. Okay, Dej? I
1: went for Leighton
3: Baines. Leighton Baines. Um, uh, Dot, your centre-back pairing? I went with um, Virgil van Dijk and John Terry at the back. Dej?
4: Ferdinand and company.
3: Okay, and right-back, Dot? Um, This is going to be a controversial one, but I feel over the 10-year period, this guy's probably been the most consistent and the best right-back in terms of the full package. So I went with Seamus Coleman. Okay. And you, Dej?
4: I went with um, Pablo Zabaleta.
1: Cool. All right. So we move into the midfield now. By
3: the way, Budge, I'm playing a four-two-three-one. Just to let you know,
1: four-two-three-one. Fine, Dej. What what formation are you playing? Four-three-three. Three. A four-three-three. Three. Okay, yeah, with a pivot. A four-three-three three, with a pivot. Okay. So um, who? What? Ooh, your midfield three are who? Dej, uh this is to you, um, Dej.
4: Mine is Gerard, Yaya Torre and David Silva.
1: Okay. And who's playing in the pivot? Gerard. Gerard, fine. Um you, the the two at the base of your
3: midfield um dot are who? So basically I'm not having two DMs, I'm having two centre midfielders, and okay. I'm having KDB and Golo Conte in the midfield as a as a double pivot.
1: Fine. And um Dej, who are your front three?
4: Um, On the left, I've gone for Eden Hazard. Up front, I've gone for Aguero. And Mm -hmm. on the right, I've gone for Riyad Mahrez.
1: Okay. And your three attacking midfielders, Dot, who are they?
3: So, I've gone with Luis Suarez in the position just behind my striker. Mm -hmm. I've gone with Gareth Bale on the left wing. Mm -hmm. And I've gone with Mohamed Salah on the right wing. Okay.
1: Um, And... Okay, Dej has already told us how his uh, centre forward is Sergio Guerrero. Who's your centre forward?
3: It has to be, you know, uh, to look no further than Robin Van Persie. Okay. I think he's been, you know, an amazing striker throughout the decade and I think of clutch moments. He delivered a lot of clutch moments for Man United and Arsenal. So he's my number nine in this team.
1: Fair play. So, okay, just a quick review. So, Uh, Deja's team is David De Gea Leighton Baines Vincent Kompany Rio Ferdinand uh, Pablo Zabaleta Steven Gerrard David Silva Yaya Toure Riyad Mahrez Eden Hazard and Sergio Guerrero. and DOT's team is Peter Cech Andy Robertson Virgil van Dijk John Terry Seamus Coleman N'Golo Kante Kevin De Bruyne Mohamed Salah Luis Suarez Gareth Bale and Robin Van Persie wow this, I'm sure, would be a very, very classic game. I'd pay yeah. so much money to watch <laughs> put, this game, Put it out to the
3: public, man. Yeah,
1: public. 100%. We're going to put this one out to the public. If I was to decide a winner or put my uh, money where my mouth is... Nail,
3: nail your colours to, to, to the mast. If I was nailing
1: my colours to the mast, I would say Dej's team probably is a bit more balanced in the middle of the park. Um, with Gerard Tor- Torre and, and Silva, you know you've got uh, you know definitely some balance there. Um, but, but when I look at <laughs> <laughs> when I look at um, Dot's team, I feel the 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 power, the pace, and the power and the devilment in that team would really, really set that team apart. I mean, out wide on the left, you've got Gareth Bell and Andy Robertson. And on the other side, you've got Seamus Coleman and Mohamed Salah. So it's just, you know, pick your poison. Which side you 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 want to try and defend against? You know that the, the other side is gonna have, have have some joy. And then you've got a very potent finisher in Robin van Persie and Luis Suarez, who, you know, if we cast our memories back in this decade, has had some absolutely outstanding performances. Where you know he's just left everybody. Um, with their jaws on the on the on on the floor basically um and then of course you've got uh Kevin De Bruyne and 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 Kanté who are going to be in 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 that engine room so it, it's difficult for me to look past um uh uh Dot's team but I'd be very keen to see what everybody else thinks um and, and and see what what um the 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 followers and the listeners uh view is on this so we're definitely going to be posting this and and asking everybody to share their opinions but thank you for that guys Uh, Much appreciated. My Um, pleasure. We're going to move on now um, to the segment, which is the unpopular opinion. So uh, just a a recap. Last week, it was Dej who shared his unpopular opinion that um, Chris Wilder is a better coach than um, Pep Guardiola. He came with some stats and some facts to back up his point. Um, And it was a very, very interesting one. Um, and so this week the buck falls with um with Dot. To, it's interesting to, to, to because
3: give. it's interesting. Sorry, but because Dedge's um unpopular opinion made me think, wow, I need to buck up my ideas and come with hard hard facts mm-hmm. to try and you know match dej's analysis because I think Dedge's work last week was absolutely amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Fair point. All right. So with with that being said, then Dot, let us know what is your unpopular opinion this week.
3: I mean I saw Martin Tyler you know earlier today talking about the top four race being one of the best top four races he's seen in in recent years and I'm not going to do just a normal unpopular opinion I'm going to do an unpopular opinion of the decade Um, Mm. for me this is the worst top four race I've seen this decade well you can say oh Dot you're crazy Dot you don't know what you're talking about but I've got the hard facts to back me up Excuse me, Budge, I'm going to be looking at my phone because I need to see what I've written down. Mm -hmm. Um, But the premise I use is 19 games. Mm -hmm. I looked at the stats after 19 games and I projected that over a full season. Okay. So as we speak right now, Chelsea are in fourth place. I know Chelsea have played 20 games, but I'm using 19 games. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. In 2010 11, Arsenal had 68 points at the end of the season. Yeah? Mm-hmm. In 2011 12, Spurs had 69. Mm-hmm. 12 13, Arsenal had 73. 13 14, Arsenal had 79. 14 15, Man United had 70. 15 16, Man City had 66 and this was probably the worst Premier League season I've seen in my career.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, this is the time Leicester won the league. Obviously, I don't want to downplay their achievement. They they made, you know, uh, an astonishing achievement. 16-17, mm-hmm. um, Liverpool finished fourth with 76 points. 17-18, Liverpool finished fourth again with 75 points. And eighteen nineteen, Spurs finished fourth with 71 points. Now, let me go back to Chelsea this season. After 19 games, Chelsea had 32 points. That equates to 1.68 points per game. If you project that over a 38-game season, Chelsea are going to finish fourth with 64 points. And I mean, that's a record low of this decade. Mm -hmm. So for me, my unpopular opinion is that this top four race is the most... Shabby, mm. um, shabby race in, in the last decade, in my opinion.
1: That's that's an interesting take, a very very interesting take, and obviously given the fact that you've um, you've you've done your calculations, you've you've pulled this yeah, up this, on Excel, yeah, and, this, yeah, this and is and the low and, lowest lowest mm.
3: average in the last decade for for potentially getting top four.
1: Mm. No, it'll be it's it's a definitely- inter- interesting take and as always it would be one that would be interesting to hear um the views and 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 thoughts of the listeners as well because some may argue um also that because of the fact that it's so open and 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 you can't really call it um with teams dropping points left right and center it it might make it a bit more interesting but i get the point that you know, essentially, Liverpool have ran away with it so early on um, doesn't make it as as competitive as it as it could potentially be. Um, did you have a did you have a take on that, Dej, By any point, by any chance? Um,
4: yeah, like when you when you look at the Premier League table, you look at teams like Chelsea, Lampard's first season, Oli at Manchester United. This is his, you know, first full season in charge. So a lot of these teams are in transition, mm. and again, over that decade. There's been more money pumped into the Premier League, mm. so it means that the lesser sides are probably taking more points from the bigger sides. So again, another thing, Arteta's just come in. So what we're seeing is mm. young managers, and obviously the the ending of this decade has given birth to a lot of new managers. So I think I think that's got something to do with it as well. But obviously, you came with your stats and figures, and yeah, it's a it's an interesting stat.
1: Mm. Fair point. All right. Um, So we're just going to round things off now um, with our favourite segment, which is, of course, the prospect of the week. So for those of you who aren't familiar with what the prospect of the week is, it's not a good thing... In the slightest, the prospect of the week is somebody who's in within football. It doesn't necessarily have to be a player. It could be a manager. It can be anybody or anything that's connected and linked to football that's had an absolute stinker this week. <laughs> so they've, they've been they've been applying their trade in the industry for a certain amount of years. And so you expect a, a degree of professionalism, a degree of know-how from, from them, but they've absolutely had a clanger. Baggy passes overhit, uh <laughs> over hit crosses um baggy touches uh missed time challenges moments of madness uh poor uh tactics and and, and selections from managers um all the rest all of the above and uh, you know literally anything. Um, that has basically made that 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 particular pl- uh, person or whatever stand out this week for all the wrong reasons. Um, they've been a, a deer in 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 the headlights, as we as we like to say. <laughs> um, so so with that being said, um, dot take us away. Who is your prospect of
3: the week this week? I mean, this is a man that I respect a lot. Mm. Um, the writing's been on the wall for a long time um i'm really sad about it um not only is he my prospect of the week he is also a manager that's not in a job Mm. um and he's also my prospect of the decade since it's the last episode of (laughs) the decade um and his name is Manuel Pellegrini. (laughs) Um, Pellegrini, I'm not sure if you do listen to the podcast. I heard sometimes you do tune in to hear bits of it. So, sir, if you're listening, you're my prospect of the week.
1: (laughs) Dej, take us away. Who's your prospect of the week this week?
4: Um, I'm going to look no further than the Emirates. I mean, this is a goalkeeper (laughs) that was performing in between the sticks of a young manager... He was making his um, first or coaching his first side at the Emirates Mm. and he shot his team in the foot. You know, Arsenal were doing well up until that point and Leno, I don't know what he was thinking. He misjudged the ball, went under the ball and Jorginho had a tap-in in in the 83rd minute. Mm. So, um, yeah, burnt Leno, if you're listening, you're the prospect of the week.
1: (laughs) fair point as always of course we're going to put this out to everybody to hear their views and and, and see if they share um the opinions of of both dot and edge thank you guys for sharing those um we come to the end of our uh, episode now uh it's the end of the year that's Happy our New last year, one everyone. the last one of the of the year of the decade it's been amazing it's man. been it's been it's been fantastic It's it's been a very very good year for us on 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 uh, uh the beautiful game podcast um you know, at, at the start of the year, we we couldn't have imagined all of the things that we've been able to do, um, and, and achieve this year. Um, it's been it's been a great one, and there's certainly um, big things to come
3: in twenty uh, twenty. Well done, boys, man. Well done, well done, Deja. well done, Budge, for for the continued hard work, man. You guys are amazing. No, hundred percent, man.
1: Appreciate that. Um, that. Dot. I I echo I the same sentiment. I think it's been a very very uh, great year for all of us. We've all put in. Uh, a, a huge amount of work mm-hmm. and the only <clears throat> new year's resolution that i have is is that we're gonna work even harder next year yep. than we did this year and and, and go on to, to 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 much uh greater heights and whatnot so of course you guys that have been following our journey keep watching this space we've got more things coming before i forget we are also going to share the winner of the prize giveaway on um on twitter so when we do that, um, we're gonna, you know, uh, drop you a, a direct message so you can send us your address and whatnot, so we can get the um, gift card sent to you. And then we'd love for you to take a picture with it and, and, and tag us in or whatever, so at least <laughs> the people know that we're not uh, we're not we're trying to pull the wool over your eyes. Basically, um, that would be great. But yeah, we're we're, we're going to make sure we 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 do share that. Um, thank you again. Um, before we sign out for the year, just a reminder to follow us on Twitter at podcast underscore tbg. You can also follow us on Instagram at pod underscore tbg two. Um, Where across every single platform you can imagine, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, then please make sure you leave a five star review because uh, that does really help in terms of growing the the the. the um, uh, uh, engagement and, and and a platform and making sure that you know we have more and more eyeballs on it also before i forget please make sure you help us grow the twitter platform where we're ever so close we're we we're hairs, a hair's breadth away from 900 followers so if you haven't shared it amongst your friends family uh work um emails and and, and group chats and whatnot please make sure you do um, you know, a follow goes a long way um, to, to helping us get towards our goal. So please make sure you do that, and let's 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 continue to work together, man. Um, 2020 is going to be a big year for us, um, and 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 you guys are going to help us to to, to achieve and, and 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 get to great things. So please help c- um, continue to push uh, the the TBG brand um, and support us um, in 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 all of our endeavours, man. Um, so before we do sign out as well we're just going to go around and share our individual um, handles so um, Dot do you want to take us away I'm LSC Nino and I am at Budge Daguna what about you Dej Dej underscore TBG fantastic alright I think I've, we've covered everything yeah happy right. new year everyone happy new year guys until the next episode happy new year happy new year over and
3: out peace